I am Anthony, and joining us on the horn right now, covering the Detroit Lions for our friends over at Pride of Detroit, our good buddy Jeremy Reisman. You can find him on Twitter at Detroit Online. Uh, Jeremy, my man, good morning to you. How are you? How's life? How are things, friend? Uh, good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in recovery right now, off-season mode. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. I need to understand exactly what took place. The most pivotal information is that you are back here. Uh, what happened on the way back, man? Where were you stuck at? What was going on? How many flights got canceled? Oh, man. Technically zero, but I got on two planes that never took off before finally getting on the one that got me home. Um, but once I got home, I, I figured out that I left my car keys in San Francisco. So uh, I had to have my car towed and then Uber from the dealership. It was it was a, an adventure that took me from uh, a 5.45 a.m. Pacific time flight to about 10.30 p.m. Eastern time when I got home. Oh, man, I am. I am sorry <laughs> to hear about those struggles. It would have been one thing had we won the game and everybody would be like, oh, it's totally fine. Like, we'll go here and suffer. I left my keys, left my wallet, don't have a phone, don't even care. But we didn't. But we did not win that uh, that football game. Have you been able to digest the outcome of that game yet? I think so. I think uh, it, it definitely took a while, and that entire game kind of felt like a bit of an out of body experience because you're at you're at halftime and you're just like this is really happening, and then by the end of the game you're like, oh no, it isn't. Um, so you know, it took a while, and and I think some perspective is always important because you know this is this team's first deep run in, in, in 30 some years. And for, for most for a lot of us, first time in our adult, you know, life seeing this. And um, it, it's important to remember that teams that are consistently good go through heartbreak like this all the time. It might not have been, you know, it might not be a 17 point lead, but there's always something that just leads to immense heartbreak. And that's kind of the price you pay for having a competitive football team is the stakes are higher. And uh you're, you're going to go through some, some bad, tough losses. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm with most other people at, at this point that, that understand that this isn't going to be the last time this team makes a deep run. Um, it might not be next year, might not be the year after that, but everything in place is, um, is, is set them up for, for future success. So I think that's where I'm at in the, in the coping section. Uh, Jeremy, have you, have you tweeted that out? Like, have have you, I think that's I think that's incredible because that's exactly what it is. Like every every good team will go through heartbreak, especially if you can. You know, the hardest thing to do is to be able to sustain success at the NFL level, and, and in any league, uh, it's going to be there. But especially at the NFL level, where there's such a large roster, there's so much turnover, coaching staffs, the draft every year. You know, everything is so different on a year to year basis. But the teams that are consistently good go through consistent heartbreak. Like it happens. I, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, just look at like the Buffalo Bills, right? How do you think they're feeling right now? I mean, it 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 might be a different kind of heartbreak. Like I said, you know, might be losing on a blow, or you know, might be losing in a blowout, like Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they're going through plenty of heartbreak themselves. You know, the Packers even the week before they lost a heartbreaker to the Forty ers a team that has had their number for for postseason after postseason after postseason. So it's something that we're going to have to get used to a little bit, not saying that this team is going to consistently lose an NFC championship games like that. But yeah, when, when the stakes are higher, the, the fall is harder. What do you think is now the expect? I know this is, this is a tough question to ask, right? Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, we're five days removed from the event, but I just feel like I'm, I'm trying to 
make sure that Lions fans understand what we saw this year, how historical it was, how much fun it was to have a winning football team, and how rare it is. Because I am very interested to see the the way that everyone reacts to the first loss in 2024. I imagine everyone (laughs) will lose their minds and want to fire everybody. But what do you think is the legitimate expectation now for this club moving forward? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect them to get to at least where they were this year, but that might not happen, right? Like, I think what Dan Campbell said after the game is kind of haunting to hear him say, like, this may have been our only shot, but it's also kind of true. I mean, there there are a lot of reasons to expect the Lions to be exactly where they were last year. They're a super young team. They have a lot of offseason resources. Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn appear to be returning. Like, there's a lot of consistency with the organization that the people at the top of the organization are, are doing the right things and you have reason to believe that the roster can be better next year but at the same time this NFC North is going to be a lot more competitive the, the Packers finished six and two down the stretch the Bears finished five and three down the stretch they both have a ton of offseason resources and I, I also think one reason that the Lions might regress a little bit in 2024 is they were kind of incredibly healthy um, in, in 2023, you look at some of the starters, some of the best players, Nate Sewell played every single snap. Jared Goff played all but three snaps when I think Teddy Bridgewater took three kneel downs. You know, the key players on this team all played at least 14, 15 games this season, and that's not exactly uh, very common. Um, so I, I'm actually working on a piece right now why there, there could be a little bit of regression in 2024. Um, don't worry, I'll also have a piece about why they might not regress. Um, but I just think it, it's, it's all up in the air at this point. And, you know, it's re- like as a fan, you should still expect this team to get as far as they did this year. But just realize kind of the randomness of the NFL in general um, means it's not guaranteed. This is why you visit the Pride of Detroit for Lions coverage every single day when you wake up and you grab the paper, you push the paper to the side and you click Pride on Detroit.com for this kind of stuff right here. Uh, Jeremy, Ben Johnson. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, uh, both appear to be staying, you know, uh, a lot, obviously a lot of excitement, Taylor Decker with the Roy Williams walking into the locker room tweet after the news that Ben Johnson allegedly told Washington, he was not interested. Did Washington like what, what's the backstory here? Did the commanders end up making the trip to Detroit? Did they interview Aaron Glenn? Was Aaron Glenn a legitimate candidate for that job? Yeah, it's, it's my understanding that, you know, uh, they made that call or Ben Johnson made that call while they were midair. So, um, you know, they were going to finish the trip and, and, and interview Aaron Glenn. It, it's hard to say how serious of a, of a contender he was for the job. I think a lot of people expected them to go offense, um, but they ended up going defense. So um, I imagine Aaron Glenn was, was part of that conversation. And, you know, I, I, I don't think Aaron Glenn was just like, an added piece to that trip. I think, I think there was legitimate interest in, in interviewing both him and Ben Johnson, but yeah, definitely a little bit of a surprise. It almost kind of worked out the same way it did last year where Carolina seemed to be closing in on uh, Ben Johnson. And if I weren't, if I'm not mistaken, I think they had a planned trip to interview Ben Johnson as well. When, when Johnson told them that he wanted to return, but um, yeah, it is what it is. Washington got, I think a really good quote coach in Dan Quinn and um, the Lions benefit with having Ben Johnson return for another year. Most definitely. Uh, the continuity here moving forward now with AG and Ben, ben Johnson both uh, remaining in place. When we look at what that could mean for this team, I mean, this team was really good, statistically speaking, offense. I mean, they were top 10 in just about all major categories, top five in a lot of those as well. Defensively, 
you know, I think that Aaron Glenn did the best that he could with the ingredients that he had to put together his meal, right? Squeezing all the juice possible uh, out of that group. When you look at the defense, you know, very bend but don't break. I mean, teams would drive on them and, you know, they would they would do pretty well in the red zone, especially down the stretch there. The last four or five weeks, they were, they were sensational when it mattered most in keeping teams like the LA Rams out of the end zone. What's the biggest pressing or glaring need for you on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, I think it has to be the the perimeter, you know, at, at corner. I mean, one one of the things that I think gets understated about what Aaron Glenn was able to do last year is how great the run defense was, and and we know that's kind of the the main goal of this team on both sides of the ball is to run the ball and stop the run. Well, they were number one in, in DVOA run defense for the 2023 season, and I think third in, in yardage and, and top five in, in yards per carry. So. I mean, I, that was a huge jump on their defense, and we saw it started kind of turn around towards the end of 2022. But to be able to basically make every single offense they faced one-dimensional this year was huge, and I think it was a big part of the reason. Like you said, the red zone successful. What teams like to do in the red zone, they like to run the ball, and the lines were pretty good at that towards the end of the year. Um, but that leaves everything else. If they were able to make the teams one-dimensional on offense, and they were still able to put up as many points as they were, that means there's pretty much a lot of work to do. Uh, in your past defense, I think that starts on the outside. I think it starts with bringing in at least one, hopefully two starting capable corners. Um, and then obviously in improving your pass rush since Aiden Hutchinson was kind of the entirety of the Lions um, pressure machine um, that they're going to need to find someone out opposite him, maybe find an interior pass rusher as well to, to help help them there. Because, I mean, if, if they can figure out, you know, one or two of those things, in this offseason, I think this defense could really take a jump into the top 10 considering how good they are in run defense. You know, it is it is very interesting right now. I'm getting the questions about free agency, right? And and I think that, you know, first of all, you know, we got to go through our own roster to make sure, sure. Uh, that we are able to secure the guys that we want to secure. And then from there, wh- who is actually a free agent, right? There's a lot of guys that yeah. aren't going to be able to escape right. uh, their own team. And, you know, so they might be listed as free agency, free agents technically, but we know that they're not going to be free agents. Like it just, it just kind of yeah. is, you know, what it is. So when you look at our list of guys on our team, who is the biggest priorities for you in order to retain? And does that include? CJ Gardner Johnson. That, that's a really good question, and and I think if I had to pick right now, I'd be a little bit leaning towards a no on the return to CJ Gardner Johnson. It's hard to say because you know, uh, I know I know a lot of people think maybe his personality doesn't fit with the lines, and I don't really necessarily agree with that. I think he's a hard worker. Yes, he's kind of a um, you know a, a boisterous personality, and and he'll mix it up with some other teams, but I don't think that would necessarily um, you know make him so that he, he's not a, a, a culture fit here. Um, we just don't know how he fits as a player. He barely played at all. Um, but at the same time, like they're pretty happy with Fatu Melifanu. I think they're, they're, they're good with Kirby Joseph. They might not really have space for him, especially when you consider that they, they love Brian Branch at the nickel. So um, if he's demanding a lot, I would say he's probably not coming along. In terms of guys that, that I think have to return or, or high-priority returns, I mean, this whole team, I think, starts with their offensive line. So as much as they can kind of keep that group together, um, I would make Graham Glasgow maybe your number one priority. Obviously, Jonah Jackson is is also a pretty high priority there, but he was dealing with injuries. He wasn't playing his best football, in my opinion, in 2023. So if you don't re-sign Jonah, I think suddenly, you know, a guard becomes a pretty high priority in the draft. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think keeping the offensive line together is, is priority number one with their internal free agents. And then after that, then you maybe have conversations about someone like CJ Gardner Johnson. Um, maybe I, I was going to say some of the, the edge guys, but I, I feel like the lines are going to have a lot of overhaul in that room because Romeo Quara is a, is a free agent. Charles Harris is a free agent. Julian Acquara is a free agent. I, I, I imagine those guys are probably going to get moved on from, um, and so that leaves a, a lot of, you know, depth to fill in on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's probably where, where they're headed. You know, it is very, very interesting when you start looking at that edge position. And a lot of, uh, I saw a lot of Twitter chatter about Aiden Hutchinson and his performance in that final game and that he, you know, disappeared when the moment was the biggest. I, I for one, I, I just cannot subscribe to that when. Uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, what, do you, what, what was your, your thought and what we saw or didn't see out of Hutch in the biggest game of the year? Yeah, I, I kind of found that narrative to be a little bit surprising. Now, I know he was mostly kept off the, the stat line, but he also did have two pass breakups on the very first drive of the game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so he he made an impact, and maybe it wasn't as big of an impact as we, we were hoping. And, and if you looked at it on paper, um, the 49ers right tackle looked like a, a vulnerability there, but um, they, they had a good game plan to, to shut him down there. And so is it disappointing to, for him to, you know, not have three sacks and, and an interception and, and 10 tackles for loss? Like, of course, all of that is, is disappointing, but considering the man was on an absolute tear towards the end of the regular season, going into those first two playoff games, um, I think you can maybe forgive him for not being all over the stat sheet for one single game. Uh, even if it was the biggest game of the season. So, I mean, anyone who has any long-term concerns about Aiden Hutchinson, I think that's silly. Um, can you be disappointed in one game of his? I, I suppose, but seems like nitpicking when there were so many other bigger issues that happened in the second half of that game beyond what Aiden Hutchinson did or didn't do. What does your schedule look like now that we are in the off season? I know that uh, the, the talks about the draft coming up at the end of April, those discussions have already been had and everybody's trying to game plan for what Detroit is going to look like and uh, to get all those festivities uh, up and running. But of course, we've got the Senior Bowl and all, all of these different events. So, so what does your calendar look like? Yeah, um, it starts with, uh, with Brad Holmes' end of, year presser, which is coming up pretty soon here. Um, we'll, we'll get a bunch of answers, hopefully about, you know, what the team's plans are going forward and, and maybe look back on, on some of the successes and, and, and needs going forward. So that's number one. And then it's just kind of, yeah, preparing for all the, the draft events. We've got the combine coming at the end of the month, I believe, and um, free agency shortly after that. So probably a, a little bit of time to take a breath here. Uh, you know, we worked a season a month longer than we're, we're typically expected to. So um, probably take a breather or two here between now and uh, and the the combine, but then it's yeah, it's right back to the offseason, and the Lions have a, a fair amount of resources here. So um, even though they won't be picking in in the top ten this year unless something crazy happens, uh, it, it still should be a pretty exciting and eventful offseason for the Lions. Yeah, no doubt about that, man. And and as we as we know that with pick twenty nine, the way it stands right now, because we know that Brad Holmes is a dangerous man. He can move around uh, whenever is necessary. Your confidence level in this team. I know you you're, you're working on the piece right now about hey, you know, hold your horses. Things could look a lot different from a, a almost like you know things are going to the, the cage is going to be rattled right and there's a there's a potential for regression but then also the counterpoint of that is you got roughly 60 million in cap space you have four picks in the first three rounds that opportunity to improve this roster and to get even better next year is definitely there yeah and and you have the nfl executive of the year and the nfl coach of the year running the team according to 
the Sporting News, which is a, a poll run by their peers. So uh, other NFL executives, other, other NFL coaches voted on those two as, as the executive and coach of the year. So having those two in place, having an owner who has been fantastic since she's taken over, um, you know, you can put even the resources aside. We, we know Brad Holmes is, is capable of hitting in the second and third round and second and third day of, of the NFL draft. So even if they aren't, you know, picking in the top 10, top 15, um, they, they should be able to, to find talented players and, and um, with, with the coaching staff all returning and, and, and them proven to be able to, um, you know, coach up and develop some of their players uh, at their own pace. Um, there's, there's no reason to believe that this team is, is was a one and done type of situation. Um, they, they really, and, and what the fifth youngest roster in terms of like their weight, uh, snap adjusted weighted um, roster. I, I, I just, I can't see this team going away anytime soon, really. He is Jeremy Reisman. Find him on Twitter at Detroit Online. Find his work at Pride of Detroit. Jeremy, my man, thank you so much for waking up with us this morning. Partner, we greatly appreciate it. Happy Friday and have a great weekend, my friend. Anytime, Anthony. Appreciate it. You have a good one, too. Hey, make sure you click on PrideofDetroit.com uh, daily for all of your Lions news. They do a sensational job over there.